Good morning. How is everybody? Guys, I'm doing amazing too. Thank you so much for being here with us, Toledo people. Such a strength uh, to be worshiping with you guys and to be led by you. Awesome. Well done. Um, Do tell David and Nathan that we love them and miss them, and they should come to Presbytery and say hi. Um, And then you guys come and uh, just all transfer to USI or University of Evansville and... I'm sure David and Nathan won't mind at all. We'll help with paperwork. Yeah. Well, the details? We'll, we'll get that figured out. Yeah. Come and intern with us in the summer. Something. We'll figure it out. We don't have a summer internship program, but we will if you want one. So um, I am sorry I missed last night. I heard it was awesome. We were at a wedding up in Indianapolis. So what else did I want to say before I get started? The men's ministry kickoff really was awesome. John and Danny and Nathan did a great job. All right, forget all that stuff. Um, This week we're back in the Sermon on the Mount because we were off last week because it was Mother's Day, or as I like to say, Father's Day Part 1, because, you know, you don't have mothers without fathers, and it's kind of as much a Father's Day sermon as Father's Day Part 2 is coming. Uh, Back in the Sermon on the Mount, and guess what? We're closing. We're ending. Jesus is closing the sermon down here. He's finished what he has to say. we're not going to be done. We're going to live here for another couple of weeks. But this is the beginning of the end. Jesus is transitioning into the close of his sermon. Uh, but like the best of preachers, Jesus takes a minute. So, um, but not that long. Really, he really has said what he's come to say. Uh, so he closes with a simple one-line takeaway, what you go home with, right? And then he presses home the importance of obeying everything that he has said and commanded. And he does that by giving some strong warnings and a strong encouragement. So today, we're going to focus on the one-line takeaway. This is the thing that he wants you to take home with you. Like if, you if you remember this, if this is the walk-away point, this is the walk-away point from the whole of the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? And then we're also going to deal with kind of the first warning. So let's go ahead and read it. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 12. So... Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Or if you grew up in church or around church or in Evansville or Ohio or Indiana or the Midwest or America, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? That's how we remember it. That's how it's stuck in our heads. That's how it's going to be stuck in my head all morning. I'm not even going to try this translation. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here to worship you this morning. We pray for the churches in this city as your word is proclaimed, that it would be proclaimed faithfully and in power, and that you would be at work building your kingdom, drawing men and women to repentance and faith and newness of life in Christ freedom from sin, freedom from temptation, and power to walk in joy and happiness, the kind of happiness that comes from a a free and unburdened conscience. Father, we pray for the churches in our fellowship that you would be with them this morning, and especially for our brothers and sisters at Christ the Word, that you would be with them. Thank you so much for the group that came to visit us and encourage us and strengthen us this weekend and this morning. 
Father, as we move into transitioning to summertime, we pray for students who are looking for jobs and who are going to have to just reacclimate to being at home and out of the structure of school and for parents as well. Pray that you would give us all faith and uh, diligence to establish the right boundaries and the right um, uh, patterns of behavior that we want in our homes. Thank you for the men's and women's nights that we've had over the last couple of weeks. We pray that you would use them to grow a strong community of men and women who are committed to being godly husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and single men and women in this community. Bring us all to grow into deeper discipleship and give us wisdom as we lead. As we come to the word this morning, give me wisdom, give me grace and humility and boldness to speak your truth with clarity and in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Jesus closes the sermon down with some warnings. He's pressing home the call to actually obey and put into practice everything he's been saying over the course of the Sermon on the Mount. So I want to give a big picture of the warnings that we're going to be hitting over the next couple of weeks um, and see how they all kind of fit together into the close of this sermon, and we'll come back to them. The first is this, just do the hard work of living by faith. Do not uh, take the cop-outs, the off-ramps that present themselves to you. Take the straight and the narrow way. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Uh, The second warning, which we'll talk about next week, is this, which is beware of false teachers. Beware of false teachers. Remember, Jesus begins the sermon by telling us our righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people, right? Pastors and the elders. Jesus gives us a test for, for false teachers. And the test is you'll know them by their fruit. And the third warning sort of dovetails on that warning. Because it talks about what that fruit really is. And it's not doing great and mighty works. It's not having big crowds. It's not performing miracles. It's the righteous life that Jesus has been talking about throughout the the Sermon on the Mount. That comes from a heart that's dedicated to God. And then the final warning and promise, be doers of the word, not just hearers. If you fake it, if you take the off-ramps and you fake it, when adversity comes you're going to be crushed by it. You're going to be washed away. But if you really put into practice the things that Jesus has been commanding us, it doesn't matter what kind of adversity comes. You'll be able to stand. You'll be able to take it. You'll be free and strong and firmly planted. And that'll be our final week in the Sermon on the Mount. So three more weeks after this one, and then on to the next thing. So look at the first word of today's passage with me. What is it? Anybody in here who can read two-letter words? No? Oh, Ian, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You got it, Abe? Oh, that's all right. It's so. There it is. It's just so. So what? Why is that so there? So, it's acting as therefore, right? So what's the therefore, therefore? Y'all grew up in church. What's the therefore, therefore? What's the so, therefore? So what? This is the ultimate therefore in this sermon. This isn't just connected to what came immediately before it. This is the so that is the therefore of everything that's come before. So let's put ourselves in the shoes of the people that came to Jesus in the wilderness. Okay? Let's just get back into the headspace of what is actually going on here. What are people thinking and feeling? What kinds of people came to Jesus? Fishermen? 
tax collectors? What was Jesus doing in the wilderness? What'd you say? Sick people. What was Jesus doing in the wilderness before he sat down and started preaching and teaching? He's healing people, right? So the sick, the lame, the poor, the weak, the needy, the hungry, they all came to Jesus looking for freedom and happiness. And Jesus healed them of their diseases. And then Jesus sat down and began to teach them. Right? They're coming because they're oppressed. They're sick. They're lame. They're miserable for one reason or another. And they've heard about some guy out in the wilderness that can fix their problems. Okay? So, and they're desperate enough. They're going to go out to the wilderness to find the guy who's going to fix their problems. And so they go. And Jesus actually does it, right? He actually heals their diseases and their sicknesses. And then he sits down and he says, you came because you're miserable and you're sad and you want happiness. You want to know, you want to be blessed. You came for a blessing, right? You want to be free. Well, here's the thing. Real freedom and real happiness is not about not being poor. It's actually about being the right kind of poor poor in spirit. It's not about not being sad. It's about being the right kind of sad. The right kind of mournful. It's not about, it's, a, it's about being the right kind of humble. It's not about food. It's about hungering and thirsting after the right things, after righteousness. It's about being merciful and pure in heart and peacemaking. Real happiness, real freedom isn't what you think it is. You think it's about your circumstances, and it was your circumstances that drove you out here to the wilderness. But I'm telling you, even those who are persecuted, that's who happiness belongs to if they're persecuted for the right reasons. Because it's not about your circumstances. It's about something deeper that goes in. That's, that's your heart. Real happiness and real freedom looks like embracing the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. That's what Matthew says he's doing. Matthew summarizes it by saying, He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the summary. But this is what it looks like. It looks completely different. It tastes completely different. It's salty. It's bright. It's otherly. It's embodying a righteousness that puts all the fraud, poser, religious leaders to shame. All the frauds, all the posers with their cheap standards, their low standards, their cheap self-help advice. They're fluffy dog stories. It's about, it puts that to shame. The people that look good on the outside, who wash the outside of the cup. No, real happiness and freedom looks like actually dealing with your heart. Actually dealing with the inside of the cup. With your anger, with your lust, with your wandering heart and eyes. With your temptation to be unfaithful to your spouse. It's about being truthful in your speech. It's about being generous when wronged. It's about loving the people that are hard to love, and not just the people that are easy to love that have something to give back to you. Or who won't, because they're your enemies. It's about loving them too. Just like your father in heaven does. He sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. Who loves his enemies. And makes his enemies his friends. So be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the way, the straight and narrow. And on the straight and narrow, you're going to be tempted to take off ramps because it's hard. This stuff actually dealing with yourself, 
That's hard. You look inside, you're not going to like what you find too much, right? Not if you look too closely. It's going to be easy to take off ramps. You have to hold fast to the straight and narrow. There are ditches on all sides of the road. And Jesus moves in and he deals with the first ditch, which is hypocrisy, right? Oh, dealing with my heart is hard, right? Being religious and actually like spiritual, like actually dealing here, like really? That's hard. What would be easy is if I could just pretend to be spiritual and put on a show for people without ever having to deal with my heart. So Jesus heads that off at the pass. He says, wait, wait, wait. You're going to be tempted to be hypocrites now. You're going to be tempted to perform your righteousness for other people so they can see it, to put on a show on the outside, like the Pharisees, so you don't have to deal with what's on the inside. So he heads that off at the pass. He says, don't do that. You're giving, you're praying, you're fasting, all your religious acts of devotion. Don't do it to be seen by other people. Don't fall off into that ditch. Your father in heaven sees and knows. Keep that before you. God sees, God knows, God's real. Don't, don't use your religious acts to keep you, to to protect you and shield you from dealing with your heart and dealing with God the Father. The next ditch is going to be worldliness. Oh, I can't be a a super spiritual fraud? Fine. (laughs) I mean, you you cut that off from me? Okay. Crass materialism it is. Right? If I can't fake being spiritual, forget it. I'm going to swerve into being material. And Jesus heads that off at the past and says, no, no, no. Don't store up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Store up treasures in heaven because you can't serve two masters. It's going to be God or money, one or the other. It can't be both. And by the way, I know that's scary to say, but don't worry about money. Don't worry about it. Because if you serve God, if you pick God over money as your master, guess what? God's a good father. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He takes care of his own. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. He loves his children. And there's nothing to be afraid of when you're one of his children. And when you're tempted to forget that, just look outside. See the birds, see the flowers. He provides for them all. And you are much more than birds and flowers. You're his children made in his image. Whew, done, easy, right? But then there's another one that he anticipates that we're going to head off into. All right, fine. I can't be, I can't be spiritual, super spiritual, and a fraud, poser, hypocrite, and I can't just be a materialist. So I'm going to take all of this stuff, all of these tools that Jesus has given me to see my own heart and deal with my own heart, and what am I going to do with it? I'm going to turn that focus right out there on everybody else, right? Then I'll be dealing with real things, right? I'm not going to be putting on a show. I'm not going to be, I'm going to deal with real things and real sin, just not, not my own, right? Just everybody else is around me. And then I'll get to feel really good because I'm really dealing with sin. I get to feel good about myself. But all of my discernment and wisdom and all of these teachings that Jesus gave me, they're just hammers that I use to beat up on other people so I can feel good about myself without ever dealing with myself first. And Jesus says, no, you can't even begin to help people unless you deal with yourself first. 
You can't see clearly. You don't even understand your own sin. Yeah, I want you to help people. Yeah, you should be discerning and you should be helpful to people and you should speak truth to people. But you had better start here. Okay, fine. I'm just going to go light myself on fire. I'm going to go to like the pagans and I'm going to go jump into a place where they're just going to beat me up. Right? Because I don't want to beat my, I don't want to deal with my heart. He says, don't go, don't go and throw your pearls before swine so they turn around and beat you up. That kind of catharsis isn't going anywhere. It's not helping you. Jesus heads us off at every pass. Every pass. Says, keep to the center of the road. (laughs) Jesus, that's hard. (laughs) That's hard. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And he says, pray and ask for help. Ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. You have a good father who actually wants these things for you. He's not calling you to something that he's not going to equip you for. Yeah, you need help. So ask for it because he's ready to give it to you. He knows it's hard. I know it's hard. So ask, keep to the center, keep to the straight and narrow. That's what leads to life. Destruction is easy. Swerving off into the ditches is easy. Easy to become a hypocrite, easy. Easy to be a materialist, easy. Easy to be a judgmental jerk, easy. Easy. Dealing with your heart constantly, daily, that's hard. That's the straight and narrow. Lots of people jump off into it, don't do that. Now here is a rule for you. It's a little shorthand trick for obeying everything I've had to say. I know it's been a lot. It's a summary of everything that the law and prophets ever had to say. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Keep that. Keep that. If nothing else, keep that. It's a summary of everything the law, the prophets, all this stuff has had to say can be summarized in one phrase. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Do unto others the way you'd have them do unto you. That's it. This is exposition of that. Why do we need all that exposition? Because you're tricky. That's why. Because your heart is tricky and deceitful. That's why. You'll find every avenue to trick yourself into thinking you're being loving when you're not. Somewhere else, Jesus summarizes What's the greatest commandment? But the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. Seconds like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, hang all of the law and the prophets. It's just this. Love God and love your neighbor. That's it. So what do we need all this stuff for? This stuff is the how. It's the how. It's the what's it look like. Or what does it not look like? It's the cut you off at the pass when you trick yourself into thinking you're loving people, but you're really just being a selfish jerk. That's what it's about. The Ten Commandments, they're a list of no's. They're a list of no's for immature children. What does love not look like? Do not murder. Murder does not, that's not love. Don't take things that aren't yours. Loving God is not worshiping a different God. That's not what love is. That command 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength comes right at the end of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy when Moses is reminding all the people of everything that happened on Mount Sinai. He summarizes it there, and that's the summary that Jesus uses. This is just how to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's not actually about the no's. The no's are just there to say, hey, I know you're stupid. <laughs> it's okay, I love you. But get on my knees. Love does not look like murder. That's bad. The law is not about don't murder. The law is about love. It's about loving your neighbor. Murder stands for everything that moves in the direction of murder. And that's what Jesus is pointing out in the Sermon on the Mount. It's anger, it's anger, it's your heart, right? Don't commit adultery. Big placeholder, right? For everything that moves in that direction, your heart. So we have a rule. Do unto others what you'd have them do unto you. So let's put it to the test in the Sermon on the Mount and see how it holds up. Anger. Do you want to be mocked and insulted and called a fool? Anybody here? No? How about you don't do that to other people? That works. Lust? You want to be objectified? No? Don't do it to other people. Okay, divorce? You want to be abandoned? No? Then don't do it. Oaths? Do you like being lied to? No? Don't tell lies. Do you really want all of your sins and failures to have perfect vengeance enacted upon them? Don't go trying to repay everybody who did you wrong. Do you really want unkind treatment from everyone that's not a close friend? No? Then don't be unkind to others. Okay, how's, how's it working so far? Did anybody notice that I tricked you? I did a little bit of sleight of hand. I changed it. I changed it to don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to you. Didn't I? Even that's helpful, but that's not actually what Jesus commanded and is calling us to here, is it? It's not don't, don't do what you wouldn't want done to you. It's to more. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. It's not just about avoiding sin. It's about love. Right? Jesus wants more. Jesus wants more. And Jesus understands our hearts. And you can't just replace your vices with lesser vices. You try to root out the bad, and that's all you focus on, you're going nowhere fast. That's why so many guys continue to struggle with things like lust and pornography. You get fixated on not that and forget the fact that what you're called to is more. It's holiness, it's purity, it's love for your wife, for your kids, for your neighbor on the screen. That's the whole thing Jesus has been flipping on its head the whole time throughout this sermon. Anger and lust, these are desiring things we don't have that lead us to fight and to quarrel. Remember we looked at James talking about this the other week. It's looking for opportunities to satisfy us, to get mine, to take. It's a taker's mentality. Every lustful look is a taking. Every angry thought's a taking. And Jesus says, stop taking. Start giving. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Don't be a taker, be a giver. 
come to the Father. He's a giver. (laughs) He gives to everyone. Righteous, unrighteous, enemies, sons and daughters, he gives. Come to the Father. Be like the Father. He provides for his children. He's ready to do it. Everything you need for life and godliness, he's ready to provide for you. You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to fight other people for it. You don't have to take it from anybody. You don't have to go and wrench it from the hands of the world. Your Father in heaven owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he's a giver. Trust him. Come to him. You have freely received. Look at your life. Take stock at how freely you've received. Cultivate gratitude and be as generous with other people as God has been with you. Do unto others what you would have them do to you. One rule for life. Not 10, not 12, not another 12. One rule, one. But Jake, that's so cheap. It's a bumper sticker. It's a baller band. It's a tattoo. People use it cheaply. But it's not cheap. It's simple. Sure, it's simple. But it's so hard. Yeah, Jesus says the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. If you find it. I'll be taken advantage of. Eh. You have a father in heaven that cares for you. I won't get what I need. No, you have a father in heaven. that Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. I won't get what I want. What? And there it is. Right? There it is. That's what has to change. That's what Jesus is calling us to change. To repent from being about us. What we want has to change. If not, we're just entitled brats, right? The rule is, do unto me as I would have you do unto me. And if you don't, then I will hurt you the way I would not want to be hurt, right? And we're really good at that. We're really good at knowing what we want. And we're really good at knowing what hurts us. And so we're really good at demanding that from other people and hurting them the way that we would be most hurt, right? You watch the things that come out of your mouth when you're really angry, and then imagine yourself on the other side of that. Flip it on its head. You know what you want. It's easy to know what you want. You don't even have to get into the heads and hearts of other people, Jesus says. He says, you know, I know that's hard. Just think about, okay, what do I want? <laughs> All right, do that for other people. Do that for other people. I talk about how transformative this is just in my own family, like with my kids, right? If there are seven of you and everybody's out to get what they want, then it's you, it's you on six, right? But if you're obeying Jesus, what is it? We got six people looking out for you while you look out for them. That's sweet, right? That's the way God intended for his children to be. That's why he intends for us to be here. That is salt and light. It's different. It's not what people are used to seeing. So here it is. The sermon is being brought to bear on this point. All of it. One command. One thing to just take. Filter everything in your life through. And I know it's hard. It's like the last thing that you're going to want to remember. You're going to be like, yeah, I know it's cheap and crazy, but maybe I should get that tattoo so that like, I can, yeah, do unto others. Okay, yeah, right? Because it's hard. It is hard. But it's simple. And that's why we have to come back and ask for God's help. 
That's what the repent part means. Let's repent and walk in obedience to this command together. Let's commit together to taking the straight and narrow, to holding each other accountable to staying on the straight and narrow, calling each other out when we stray. That's what the church is here for. Children trying to please their father in heaven, holding each other to it. No cheap and easy ways out. Just the hard, happy, happy, blessed work of obedience that comes from faith. Let's pray. Father, we know that this work is hard, and we do pray that you would help us to honor you and to love you and to love our neighbor. Forgive us for all the ways we fail all the time and come up short. And help us this morning to renew our hearts and our minds by your word, and recommit to walking in your ways this week. In Jesus' name, amen.